Greetings and salutations, you kinky fucks. Welcome back for episode 101, No Dalmatian Bitch of Kinks with Kiki. Wow. I'm just going to go ahead and get the episode started, uh, starting with S&M, a.k.a. Song and Mood of the Week. Now, I typically keep a list of the songs that I've done for every episode ever. Yes, 101 full episodes, two bonus episodes. So I have 103, but they are bonus that used to be on my Patreon. I typically keep track of the songs because I don't want to play the same song twice. However, this is probably the one song I am unhealthily obsessed with. So I have to bring it back again. And I'm pretty sure this won't be the last time that I bring this song back. So SM, aka Song and Mood of the Week, is going to be Good Days by SZA. Alright, so I chose that song because one, it is probably one of my favorite songs of literal all time. And it's kind of like resurfaced in like my playlist or just my library again. So I identify with this song on so many levels. I identify with SZA. I love SZA. SZA is literally, she makes music for girls like me. <laughs> uh, just trying to figure it out, you know, trying to work on their confidence more and more. Uh, she makes music for the insecure girl. She makes music for girls who are just like regular, regular, just a normal girl, just trying to make it and find love and happiness and fulfillment in life. So... I love good days because, you know, even though shit goes left and things always go wrong, things always go bad, you still have to try and strive for good days regardless of your current circumstances. So S&M, aka Song and Mood of this week, once again, is going to be Good Days by SZA. So I just want to say in advance, um, I've been struggling with my voice. I'll go into that now with weekly with kiki because i feel like it's been a while since i've done a weekly with kiki because the last episode i did you guys know episode 100 i skipped uh weekly with kiki and just went straight into the episode and discussed why that episode was so important and why i really wanted it to be episode 100 even though the audio was very kind of wonky which i have no idea why it did that i pre-recorded that episode a few weeks into September. So I was really confused as to why, like, and I listened, of course, edited the episode a bunch of times to make sure it was correct. And for some reason, I don't know, but the audio was a little wonky and that bothered me a lot, but it's out there now. What are you going to do? So weekly with Kiki, uh, I have still not even say have, I am still, recovering from probably one of the worst colds I've had in years. So it is officially October. I am the ambassador of spooky season. My birthday was October 1st. At the big age of 35 was what I turned and my birthday was good. It was it was simple. 
and a sense of what works for me as a person and how I like to celebrate. So Lori took me to this candlelight, uh, I want to say, is it like a dedication? I don't know what to exactly call it. I can't put my finger on it right now, but she and I went to this Amy House, Amy Winehouse, sorry, Amy Winehouse candlelight. It was like a cover, a tribute, if you will. There you go. Um, I am a huge fan of Amy Winehouse. So is she. Her birthday gift to me was us going to this tribute at the Williamsburg Hotel, which is a really, really nice hotel, but it is a nightmare because it's Williamsburg. And if you live in Brooklyn, you know Williamsburg is chaos and negativity on a regular day because it's a very popular neighborhood extremely expensive neighborhood but it has everything so it's close to the water has domino park all the restaurants bars it's just an ideal hot spot apple whole foods trader joe's that tells you what type of neighborhood this is okay gentrification is a real thing um but we went there. That was amazing. The band was phenomenal. The singer, she was also amazing. Her name was, I believe, Michelle Rodriguez. And she did a great job at covering some of Amy Winehouse's best songs and some of her covers. Because if you knew like Amy Winehouse as an artist, not as a person, because we didn't know her personally, but if you knew her as an artist, a lot of her sounds were very 60s, 70s-ish. Like she was a huge fan of Marvin Gaye. She was literal soulmates with Nas. Her music just had that sound and she had that gift. And it was unfortunate that we lost her at 27. But, you know, life and shit happens. But what are you going to do? But that was fun. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. That was a really good birthday. That was part one of Kiki Palooza. And part three happened not too long ago. And I'll tell you about that. So part one, she and I went to... Someday, not someday, Sunday in Brooklyn, which, eh, meh, I won't be going back. The food was a little underwhelming, unfortunately, but it was good. We went to this amazing bakery where I was able to get like a really good hot chocolate and an eclair, which I love eclairs. So that was our outing like a week or two before my birthday for my actual birthday, Lori. Teddy and I went to dinner, went to Pasta Louise in Park Slope. So if you live in New York City or if you're traveling to New York anytime soon, I would highly recommend Pasta Louise. They had really, really good food, really, really good drinks. But that was part two of Kiki Palooza. And I went out with them, you know, two people that I hold near and dear to me and I care for very deeply. And it was good. It literally rained the entire week leading up to my birthday and Teddy if you listen to the last episode you know that Teddy and I are back in a DS relationship and he was sick I didn't really think he was gonna come because he was like really sick not really sick but he was sick enough to the point where I'm like you're never sick I'm a little concerned but by my birthday he was good and he really didn't want me around him because I get sick so freaking easily it is borderline insane how easily I get sick but I also am on like four immunosuppressants so my immune system is in the literal pits of hell and I spent the night with him 
and I was literally sick the next day. So I got sick October 2nd, and you guys will hear this on October 17th, and I am still recovering. It's insane. Um, My voice keeps fluctuating. I'm supposed to be doing other podcasts, being guests on other podcasts. One day my voice is gone. The next day is perfectly normal. The more I talk, obviously, the worse it gets. And it's been a struggle. But I got sick literally the day after my birthday. And I just recovered. I want to say officially did not feel sick anymore on the 14th of October. I am very thankful I never got COVID. Because if this is what a cold did to me, I don't even want to imagine what COVID could have done to me. I'm going to knock on wood. I am vaccinated. I do still wear masks and I do not like touching people. So I think I should be okay, Lord willing. So that was part two, even though the back end of that, I was sick for the last two weeks. Neither here nor there. Part three, I went out with my coworkers. I had a phenomenal time with my coworkers. They showed up and completely showed out. First of all, I didn't think everyone that I invited, like I sent an email, I don't fuck with everybody in my office. I'll just use that as like a disclaimer. And I don't mean that in like a vicious or malicious way. I mean, some of the people I either just genuinely do not know because they're so new or some of them I just don't feel comfortable being at an event based around me outside of the workplace because one, they are big bosses and I don't want to see them to see me in any type of weird light or question you know my employability because I go outside and I smoke weed and I drink however the people that I invited are the people that I literally talk to on a day-to-day basis and sometimes even outside of the office like I'm in a group chat with two of my co-workers now we're texting each other I love my co-workers but I know this is long-winded guys but I haven't really did a weekly with Kiki in a long time so I'm gonna get to the getting good but I just want to get everything completely off of my chest about what's going on with me so you guys know I'm well and alive but yes so I invited the people that I consider actual friends as well as co-workers and it was phenomenal I got beyond drunk okay um I am not a good drinker and I talked to Teddy And he was like, be responsible. That's what he always says. I'm like, okay. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to be responsible. But however, this was for my birthday. So Kiki Palooza part three, my coworkers wanted to do something with me for my birthday. And I was like, let's do it out of the office. Let's go for drinks. So we went to a bomb ass bar, downtown Brooklyn. And of course, because it's circling around me, soon as I step in, they're like, boom, what are you drinking? One of my coworkers, she's like, I'm going to get you shots. The other one was like, I'm going to get you shots as well. And I was like, all right, this is where this night is going. So shout out to one of my attorneys. He was like, boom, I got you. He gave me a packet of liquid IV, maybe like two hours before we left work to go to the bar. So I super hydrated and drank a liquid IV and I was like I'm gonna be good I'm not gonna get hungover I'm not gonna get sick get to the bar I'm like I need food greasy food carby food give me food so some of my co-workers were with me and I'm drinking water I'm drinking soda and I'm eating and I'm like I need to eat eat so I ate bread and like fried things because I was like I need to coat my stomach 
I am two shots and a drink in and everybody's like, we're going to just keep buying you things. So I'm like four shots in and two drinks in. And then my boss who showed up and I have to tell you guys a little bit about my boss and how he is one of the best humans I've ever met in my life. He was like, fuck that. Getting you a drink. First of all, I didn't even think he was going to show. He lives on Staten and he's a father and he's married. So I don't expect him to do after hours things with us, but he really showed up and showed out. And I appreciate that so much from him. So he bought me like a Henny and Coke. So I'm a vodka soda girl now because it keeps me from being sick. I didn't want to turn his drink down. So now I'm mixing. I'm drinking tequila shots vodka mixing in Hennessy I was like oh my god I'm gonna be sick so sick but I wasn't I was cool the entire duration of the bar one of the co-workers who's from a different unit she was like my friend's DJing going out with partying I was like yes by nine I was like no <laughs> you will not have a video of me on Monday at a party so drunk that I am incoherent so me and Lori took an uber I get car sick really easily I get car sick sober so drinking in a room spinning and being in an uber I was like oh no I thought I was gonna get sick I did not get sick high five to me woke up the next day no hangover no sickness ate pizza drunk Gatorade took an excedrin just to be on the safe side and your girl is back in the game so it's vodka sodas from here on out and greasy foods the next day Last thing, a weekly with Kiki. So work has been amazing. Um, I am actually, Lord willing, in the next month or so going to be transitioning out of my par uh, paralegal position. I've been a paralegal for 13 years. I am terrified because I've never been anything in a legal setting other than a paralegal. So I'm genuinely scared. But why my boss is a human being that I will always champion for and he's one of the greatest people I've ever met it's because inflation is real I live in New York City cereal currently Cheerios are nine dollars my milk is ten dollars and I just seen a carton of eggs for $7.99 we are in literal hell in New York City okay on top of rent and me and Lori trying to move in cheapest apartment we're finding is $3,500 for a two-bedroom neither here nor there um and I went to him. I wasn't even going to go to him. I had another coworker actually talk me out of it. And she was like, you need to tell him. Like, you owe him that. He's never did anything wrong to you. He's never done wrong by you. You need to be honest. So I had an interview to work with a judge. And that's huge for me because that's also one of my biggest career goals is to go to the federal realm and work with federal prosecutors and federal judges. So I tell my boss, I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. Because I love it here and I don't want to leave, but life and how it's changed has forced me to leave. And I told him, I'm like, I have an interview with the judge. I say the judge, he knows the judge because, I mean, if you're in law in this, off, in this city, you know civil court judges, criminal court judges, Supreme Court judges, federal court judges, the USA, uh, well, the U.S. attorneys. They're all floating around in the same pool, especially in Brooklyn, because all the courthouses are within walking distance of each other, even the U.S. Uh, Supreme Courthouse. So I tell him who it is, and he's like, I don't want to lose you. I don't. We, what are we going to do? What is the alternative? I'm like, I have to make money. And I'm telling you this because I genuinely 
do not want to leave this organization, like this office as a whole, because I love it here. And he's like, we have to figure out something. I don't want you to leave. I'm like, the job is not going to give me a raise, even though I'm well-deserving and extremely overqualified to get a raise of at least 20 to 30,000. That's not feasible. So I have to go where I can still thrive in my career as well as make money to survive living in New York City during inflation and a pending recession. So he's like, you know what? Let me let me put some let me put some things out there and I'll get back to you. So he sends this email to all these supervisors of each unit and he's like, y'all, boom. I have an amazing paralegal here. We as a as an entity are about to lose this amazing person because she can no longer afford to work here. She's made it clear she doesn't want to leave and she's under the impression that she can't get a raise. So she has to do what she has to do for her livelihood. All these supervisors start emailing me and they're like, oh my God, this position is coming available if you want to do this, if you want to do this or this or this. So he reaches out to HR and he's telling them the same thing. Like, look, we have an amazing uh, paralegal in our zone who's threatening to leave the company because she can't afford to live, like leave. She can't afford to work here and live at the same time. It's like, is there anything available? HR gets back to him and there's a position that's becoming available. And I will announce that position when I am physically in it. But for now, just good vibes and all the good things coming my way. And she's like, we have this position open. Uh, let me give you a rundown of what it is. If you're interested, let me know. We can set up an interview. All this is happening because I decided to be honest with my boss and tell him I have to find another job. So I interview. Interview goes well. Uh, fast forward, I get a soft offer with a great salary. And I have to interview with the executive officers of my job and that's basically a formality. They're like, all right, girl, so you got the job, this, 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 you're cool with the salary, boom, you can start on this date. So your girl is leaving her department, which I am heartbroken because I have to leave my boss, I have to leave all of my coworkers, and my fear is I have to get to know someone new, a new boss, new coworkers, and I'm scared because I'm like, what if this is a mistake? What if they aren't as amazing as this group of people that I've known almost two years now. And I'm like, I'm so terrified to just step out of my comfort zone. But I also realize that you cannot grow if you don't step out. And the beauty is I'm still in the same building. So if those people upstairs get on my fucking nerves, I'm going down to my floor with my people and blow off some steam where I'm comfortable and loved. And then I'm gonna go back and do whatever I have to do. So that is everything that has been going on with Weekly with Kiki. I am about 20 minutes in to talking about myself, which is something I don't like to do. And apparently some of you listeners don't like for me to do. Neither here nor there. I don't really give a fuck because it's my podcast. If you don't like it, you really don't have to listen. But anyway, so we're going to jump into this week's episode. Now, I've been asked to do this topic. I apologize. I'm still a little hoarse, but I've been asked to do this topic, I want to say for like the last two, three years now. It's just something that I, I don't know. I just never got around to it. But I knew, like, I remember when someone emailed me about it and was like, oh my God, are you going to do 
X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, eventually I do plan to do that as a topic, but I didn't get around to it until now. So this week we are going to talk about feederism. Now, I feel like a lot of people have heard about this term. Um, It is a very subgroup of an already subgroup of BDSM. But I wanted to shed a little light and, you know, of course, rare fetishes or fetishes that aren't so common. I'm not going to say rare, aren't so common, are always extremely difficult to find information on. So I found as much as I possibly could. Uh, So let's start it off. Feederism is a sexual fetish that involves one partner, the feeder, feeding the other partner, the feedee for sexual arousal and to encourage weight gain. So this, I seen a few terms when I was doing research on feederism and they all kind of like warp around or orbit around each other. So feederism is a part of BDSM because everything in BDSM is, when I see it, Feeder, feedy, I'm thinking top and bottom, which is why, or submissive and dominant, which is why it can kind of fall into the realm of BDSM. But there are like terms and, you know, we try to be in a PC world. It's very hard to do that sometimes, but there is a fetish called a fat fetish, fat, not fit, fat fetish. And there's feederism there's fat fetish and they're like chubby chasers I don't I feel like I don't know if these are derogatory please correct me if they are I sincerely apologize you guys not try to be as PC as possible but they kind of all like gravitate around each other so this is it's a consensual act between two people and it's usually two people who mutually appreciate a larger body type this part And I can't, it's not my opinion. So, I mean, it's not my, you know, say so because this isn't my realm of lifestyle at all. But it can be consensual and it also can be consensual, non-consensual as well. And that goes into like force feeding and bondage, which I will go into in a little bit. But I want to break down, you know, I broke down the definition. I want to break down what, you know, a feeder is. A feeder is usually a male who likes to encourage the weight gain of their partner. Um, Partner doesn't have to be a woman, doesn't have to be a man or whatever you identify with. But in my research, it said typically the feeder is a man. So feeders get sexual arousal turned on by making a thin person big or making a person that is on the bigger side bigger. Now, feedy, which research says is typically a female, is the recipient of the food in a feeder, a feederism, I'll say feederism, relationship. Feedies are also known as gainers since most of them try to increase their weight through eating and are typically fed by the feeder. So when I was reading this, and again, this is not a fetish of mine, but I have had people ask me about it, which tells me that it is one of theirs. 
I didn't see anything, and I'm sure it exists. I just, I've read like nine articles and I didn't see one thing about health concerns. And please don't come for me. Like, y'all do like the tussle. I'm not saying that you can't do this and not be safe and healthy about it. I just, I have so many concerns because I just, I want people to be safe, you know, and I want people to be happy and live their best kink and do everything that they possibly can in whatever space or realm they want to do it in. But I didn't see much about the darker sides of feederism. So I'll just leave it there. So force feeding. Force feeding is a practice, again, once within the BDSM community, where a submissive, and this is why I said feederism becomes BDSM-like because of the top and bottom submissive dominant situation um it is not to be confused with the bondage or um definitely the discipline the bondage or the sadism or the masochism and then you know what i can't even say that because there could be a level of sadism and masochism in force feeding a person so i'll go ahead and jump into that so force feeding is a practice within a bdsm community where the submissive is forced to ingest foods and liquids. This is done through specific BDSM gear, which I will talk about a little bit of the gear and the gags that I've found for feederism. So that can include funnel gags, dribble ball gags, and I believe the other one that I saw was a feeder gag. The practice puts a submissive person in a very, very vulnerable position. Trust and adherence to agreed limitations are important. So me going off the rails of my notes, you know, I am very big into communication. I am very big into consent. Like I personally feel like everyone should be. Um, I think setting boundaries very early on, like if you are going to go into a feederism relationship where you are going to be the feedy, you need to set a lot of the ground rules and how that dynamic is going to work. Because ultimately, the person who could suffer the consequences of a feederism relationship is in fact the feedee. The feeder is the one doing all the feeding. The feedee is the one who has to physically digest and tolerate as much food as they humanly possibly can without, you know, the consequences of allergies, overeating, lactose intolerance, is so many different levels. So you as a submissive person or the bottom in this dynamic need to set all of the ground rules. What you will, will not do, will, will not eat or drink, will, will not tolerate. Maybe you can use like the traffic, I mean, the traffic light system, you know, green, yellow, red, stop. Maybe, I don't really know, let's slow down and go. Um, it's important that, honestly, ironically, because people don't believe this, that you have the upper hand. Because for some odd reason, people don't realize that dominance and submission are literally yin and yang. Yin, yang, whichever. One can't exist without the other. A dominant will not have power if there is no submissive to give over their power. So it's the same, same in feederism. A feeder cannot feed anyone if a feedee doesn't adhere to it. 
All right, next topic. <laughs> forced weight gain. So forced weight gain is a form of sexual fetish where dominant party is sexually aroused by watching their submissive partner gain weight. I haven't met anybody like this. I do know they exist. In my world, if you see me gaining weight, I'd like you to tell me. <laughs> but I also know I am not a part of the feeder fetish lifestyle. So what I say here don't really fucking matter because, you know, it's not even relevant to the topic. But I'm very big into being very conscious of my weight, especially since it's been a struggle of mine since I got sick. Because when they jack you up on steroids for five years... It makes you aware. <laughs> but anyway, um, this is also referred to, like I said, feederism. Forced weight gain often borders a feeder-feedy relationship where one person overfeeds a willing or unwilling partner to make a bid against their, gain, their gained weight. Most feeders have a fat fetish. Fat. I keep saying fat. Fat fetish and are sexually aroused by the stigmas associated with obese people such as the physique the body you guys know like not everybody who's big all weight is not distributed equal some people have big arms no stomach stomach no arms big thighs back rolls these are the things that they are quote unquote attracted to now a fat fetish is Obviously, we already know what it is, but I'm going to say it for those who may want to hear it. Fat fetish is a strong attraction, sexual attraction, to overweight or obese people. People that have this fetish are also called fat fetishists. They find a person's weight or size their most sexually attractive feature. It says that most people that have this fetish tend to be heterosexual men, although any fetish of fet fetishism is can be any gender. So not necessarily man, woman, whatever you identify as. Okay, bringing it back around to, because there are fetishes, there are kinks, there are philias. You guys know, I'm always finding something. I found an interesting philia that is related to, I live in New York, excuse the horn. <laughs> uh based around feederism and fat fetish and it is called cetophilia it's either cito or cito so it's s-i-t-o-p-h-i-l-i-a this is a paraphilia in which individuals called cytophiles or cetophiles are sexually aroused by food so i definitely think there is a correlation not saying that this is every case but I definitely think there is a correlation in cetophiles cytophiles I'm gonna say cyto cytophiles and feederism so I'm gonna go a little deeper into that so this person who is a cytophile may be aroused by the sight sound and smell of food now I'm thinking about how much I love to eat I love food guys I like to cook I'm a foodie. I like to try different restaurants. I like to try different ethnicities, um, ethnic foods, not ethnicities. <laughs> I will try different ethnicities, you know. <laughs> I like to try different types of ethnic food of all cultures. Like, I am not discriminatory at all. If you want me to try it, I'll definitely try it. 
as long as it's not seafood or like an exotic animal like hey come try this zebra or this snake no no shame to those who do that's that's the stretch for me where I'm a little nervous but I'm willing to try any type of food so I'm like I don't get sexually aroused though, but I do get happy, I do a happy dance. I don't even realize I'm doing a happy dance until I get my food and then I do a little wiggle. So I'm like, I don't have sexually aroused. I don't get turned on by food, but this is for the people who do. They also are typically aroused by people eating food or actually eating food themselves. So they like to watch people eat food. Now listen, in a perfect world, I could have an OnlyFans where I just try different like different types of like ethnic foods and I'm like, hey guys that like to watch, hey girls that like to watch, hey everybody in between that likes to watch, I'm gonna eat this Lebanese food today. I don't know. But like in a perfect world I could do that and make bank, but here we are. <laughs> Cytophiles may also be aroused by situations involving food, such as cooking or visiting a restaurant. Boom, I can definitely make this an OnlyFans. Put on an apron, naked, be like, hi guys, today I'm going to make Thanksgiving dinner. It's going to gut a turkey, you know, baste that bitch and rub it down. Got collard greens fresh out the garden, going to cook and clean those because you cleaned it with vinegar and you clean all the dirt. If you know, you know. They watch me cook a whole meal and then sit down and eat a whole meal. I could totally do this. I really feel like I could. Anyway, so aside from cooking, they actually like, they get involved by, I mean involved, they get aroused by visiting restaurants. Some cytophiles also use food during sexual interactions to achieve sexual gratification. Now, I am a girl who is definitely afraid of using food in the bedroom. That does not mean that I don't condone it. If you do it, I want to hear the stories. I'm here. You know, I am with the shits. Y'all have known me long enough. We're going into five years of this thing together. You guys know I am with the shits. If you like it, I love it. My fear of using food is the fear of the food getting on, near, or in my genitals. My genitals are very sensitive. Like the wrong laundry detergent, bam pH is in shambles. The wrong soap, pH is in shambles. Although I do not use soap in my vaginal area. You're not supposed to do that, girls and guys. If you don't know, you know, you need to find very pH friendly things. Women, I love, there's always been an argument on Twitter, and it's always Twitter, of course, where some of the girls you'll hear them say, well, it's a self-cleaning organ. You're not supposed to use anything down there. It's going to clean itself. Yes, internally. As a girl who is acne prone, and if I don't shower two to three times a day, I will become oily enough to actually grease a pan. So, not internally. The girl is going to clean herself and she's going to do it well. However, I have acne prone skin. I have to wash that area you know why because discharge body fluids women naturally discharge because it is a self-cleaning organ oils dirt sweat people walk they go to the gym I work all day I walk like I just water just isn't going to get the job done for me down there so I do use a pH friendly boric acid cleanser 
if you want it, DM me, girls. I got you. Um, and again, that is not something I use internally. That is something I use in the pelvic region because I do sweat. I do have oily skin. I am acne prone. I don't want to get acne on my vagina because you can really get pimples anywhere. How am I supposed to explain that to Teddy? That's going to freak him out. He's going to be like, what the hell are you doing? What's going on? Why do you have bumps down here? Exactly. So all I'm saying is I'm a little weird about food being involved in sex because the idea of like chocolate syrup, like is someone putting it on my cooch and it's like, let me lick it off. Actually, I'm going to stop you right there. If you're not just going down there, you know, just barefaced and no condiments, then we can't do this. But to the girls who can do it, who have the pH balance of a soldier, I salute you. I do not. It only takes me changing cut from cotton to silk underwear for my ph to be thrown off so because i care about my girl and my flora we're just going to stay away from you know foods but to the people who enjoy you know a little syrup or a dairy-free whipped cream or whatever you choose oreos watermelon peanut butter whatever you choose if you like it i love it all right so gags used in feederism so i found two gags that i just mentioned earlier one was a funnel one was a feeder so a feeder gag is obviously bdsm gear that is worn over the mouth it is a gag that is used to facilitate force feeding which is also referred to as gavage a feeder gag forces the ingestion ingestion sorry of food through a feeding tube that is passed through the mouth. It is one of the lesser popular mouth gags. Now, gag is gag, okay? If you don't have a gag reflex, someone putting a tube down your throat probably won't even bother you. However, if you are a person with a gag reflex, I personally, and I've done, you know, deep throat training episodes, I wouldn't recommend it because the idea of feeling like you're going to throw up in that urge and that gagging urge while food is going down your throat is an extreme choking hazard and I don't recommend. That actually scares the shit out of me if I'm going to be honest. Now the next gag is a funnel gag. This is a unique contraption and I will try to find pictures of the funnel as well as the feeder so I can put them on Instagram so you guys can see what they look like possibly give you guys a link if you're interested in trying to find them or buy them okay bag is a unique contraption used during BDSM attached to the user's head a rubber or leather gag strap has a funnel attached to it at a 90 degree angle so that liquids can remain upright the design of the gag is made to look is makes it look so the submissive will have no difficulty swallowing any fluids being poured into their mouth while preventing them of closing their mouths shut. This is a devious gag that makes possibilities endless. So, first time I read that, I was like, huh, this is where sadism comes in and the consensual non-consent factor of feederism comes in because... This is when you've both decided consensually that this person's going to just feed you liquids until you tap out. You know, you'll be peeing or throwing up or I don't know what you'll be doing, but be safe, you know, and 
masochistic, you know, minds, this is pleasurable. And I'm not saying, I don't want you guys to think I'm saying this from like a condescending kind of tone. I promise you I'm not. But this made me think of how BDSM plays a huge factor in feederism because the sadism masochism part of it, the DS part of it, it is a huge, it's a subcategory of a major category. So to the girls and to the guys that use a funnel gag, I encourage you to, of course, be safe, to avoid choking, to avoid, you know, overhydrating because that is a real thing and it can harm you. Be careful. I love how BDSM is so vast and it's such a broad term now because there are so many little sub tabs or bullet points that can fall under all four six of each <laughs> meaning of BDSM because S&M has more than one meaning shit D has more than one meaning I think B is the only one that doesn't is bondage so whatever you're doing funnel feeder Please be careful. Please be safe. To the doms, please know you're submissive. Please pay great attention to your submissive if you are participating in these acts because we want everyone to be safe and we want everyone to come out of experiences in a healthy and a happy manner. Last thing. So there is apparently, and I will look just a second to confirm if this actually still still exist but there is a social media site created and geared towards people who practice feederism i believe the name of the website is called fabi so it's a social network and dating site for feeders feedies those who have fat fat fetishes and cytophiles so bringing it back around full circle Guys, girls, however you identify, Fabi, F-E, Fabi or Phoebe? I'm going to say Fabi, Phoebe, Phoebe, F-E-A-B-I-E is the dating site and the social media site for this community. If you are looking for somewhere, if you aren't aware of it already, and you're looking for somewhere that you'd like to belong and call home with people who share a similar interest, this is definitely going to be a great spot for you to do so. I will see uh, what I can find and I will also add it to Instagram as well. And that is going to bring this episode to a close. Can't believe I am officially in the triple digits for my episodes. High five to me. You guys can follow me on Instagram at Kinks with Kiki podcast you can also follow me on twitter where you actually will see my face <laughs> at kinks with kiki um, i do check my emails i'm not all that great with checking my twitter dms i'm a little better at checking my instagram dms because twitter is a wild place it's a no man's land and it is the wild west so i'm very skittish about it because you know one minute i'm minding my business next minute there's a dick and you know things in my dms so you can follow me on both platforms. If you do have any questions, concerns, you want to email me, you need advice. I am here. I am open. I haven't gotten an email in a while. Um, email me, kinksforkiki at gmail 
com, And that is going to bring this episode to a close. Hope you guys have a wonderful start to your week. I hope you guys have a phenomenal week. And you enjoy this mildly warm weather that we're getting in the Northeast for as long as we're getting it. Because you guys know we will be in shambles in the next 60 days. So... Hope you guys enjoy. And as always, I am your dose of black girl in this kinky ass world. And until next time, peace.